This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. You can, you can be seated. Yeah, it's great. It's quite a social group here today. We're glad you're here on this, uh, this last uh, Sunday in December. It's, uh, it's a, it is an interesting time of year. I'm like Pastor Bob, I wish you a Merry Christmas. I hope you had a, a good uh, and Merry Christmas. We had a, an amazing time here on Christmas Eve. This place was packed, and I mean, it was a beautiful thing as we worshiped and, and praised God. And I also hope you're looking forward to uh, 2016, what comes in the next year, what's next. I know for me, this time of year is, is an interesting time. It's kind of the time in between. We've had Christmas, and, and uh, as we head into the new year, and if you're working, your schedule may be a little different. Um, you've, uh, if you, if you may have traveled, been with people you've not been with for a while, and that should be a blessing. <laughs> and uh, uh, It's just a different kind of rhythm. I think. You, you may have watched a lot of bad football games, or you're going to. Um, yeah. Uh, they get better, though. And uh, yeah, and for me, I, I find this time of year that I often also get nostalgic. I, I look at the past year, and then I'm, and even years beyond that, I, I even reflect back on when I was a kid. But, but then again, I start to look to next year and start to think about, you know, what's coming in, in 2016. Hard to believe it's 2016. But as a kid, uh, as I look back, something I really loved was history. History is my first love, and, um, or was, and news. I, I was a news junkie even as a kid. And so one of the things I always looked forward to at the end of the year was the Time Magazine Year in Review. And I see a few heads nod. I used to pour over this, this magazine and look at all those pictures and, and think to myself, you know, um, what's going on with these stories? What, what do these really represent? Uh, what are these people really like? Um, what do we, what's the meaning that comes out of these things that happen in our world, both near and far? And so uh, I always look forward to that. And now, uh, you know, we, we, we live in an amazing time, and so we have Facebook. And if you don't know, you can get a Facebook year in review. It's out there. Um, you can get, uh, it's a two-minute video that they've put out, and uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, gives you the way it flows technically is cool, but you also because we live in a great country and interesting times um, You can you can create your own Facebook year in review You can uh, put together your collage or your, your video if you will and you can edit it uh, It's interesting that we can make our Video or our, our year in review the way we want it not necessarily the way it is But that's probably a story for another day a sermon for another day as we edit our lives but um, Time. So today we're, we're going to talk about time a bit and, and what is time, uh, how does God speak about time, and what do wise people, what do wise people say about time. And so today we'll go to uh, the scriptures and we'll go to the Psalms, Psalm 90 specifically, but the Psalms are part of the wisdom literature, which is the ancient teaching of, of, uh, uh, of the, really the Hebrew scriptures, but part of our scripture as well in the Old Testament, about five books and Really interesting. It's some of the first books I know I really connected with when I, when I started reading Scripture. And so the, the psalm that we're going to read today is Psalm 90, and this one is attributed to Moses. And Moses, we know, um, is uh, chosen by God to, to lead the Hebrew people. And he's known for his leadership and his wisdom. And uh, he also, um, uh, you know, just 
really uh, had some great conversations with God. And so I would encourage you to read more about Moses if you hadn't. But here's, here's, uh, here's what Moses says in Psalm 90, and this is verses 12 through 17. It says, Lord, teach us to count our days. Teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. Turn, O Lord, how long? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad as many days as you have afflicted us and as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be manifest to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord Let the favor of our Lord our God be upon us, and prosper for us the work of our hands. O prosper the work of our hands. So what's what's going on here? Well, Moses, uh, he's he's actually praying, speaking to God, and making a bold request to God, for God to turn to him and to the people he leads. He's leading the people through the, the wilderness, and the wilderness is that place between that place between the old and the new, and literally it's the place, what we know now as the Sinai Desert. He's leading the people out of Egypt, out of, out of slavery, and he's leading them to the Promised Land, which we now know as Israel-Palestine. And so he's, he's asking God to turn to them and have compassion on them. And because he knows God's character is compassion and God is faithful, God will turn. But again, it's a bold request. We often think that we repent, we turn to God, which we do. We turn to God. But he says to God, God, turn to us in this prayer, in this psalm. He knows that the people have not always trusted God. And they've turned to idols. And um, they've been complaining. They want it out of slavery. They want it out of slavery. They get what they want, and they're complaining. Does it sound familiar? (laughs) Just... Uh, yeah, okay. That's a message for another day, too. But it's part of our human condition that we want things, we get them, we might complain about them. Well, the people back then, and they're doing the same thing right there for Moses. And so Moses, representing the people, he's leading the people out of, again, slavery and, again, back into, into God's presence, into his presence. And so he teaches us to really value time and to gain wisdom, gain wisdom as God does life with us as God turns to us. And so as we, uh, as we think about this scripture, I invite us also to think about how we've used our time and what our uh, year, year in review might look like, what your year in review would look like, okay? Well, my year in review was, was interesting. I'm gonna share just a bit about it. Um, each year I try to do some, uh, some new things, some new things and was able to uh, to do a few new things this year. <clears throat> and, it was a, and it was a good year, but it was also a year of sadness and sorrow, and I'll share a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But a couple of the new things that I did, the new things that I did was I tried hot yoga, okay? Okay, I see a little response there. So you didn't see that coming, I know, and I didn't either. But uh, does anybody know how hot yoga is, hot yoga? How many degrees? 105, okay? And, and I'll tell you, it's, it's very interesting. I was invited to, uh, to Hot Yoga Studio here in town by a couple, uh, Stephanie Leah Lewis, um, 
who worships here and her husband, Tony, and they have a baby. So she invited me to hot, to hot yoga. And so I said, sure, you know, I'll try that. And, uh, but I decided to try it. It was a February night. It was really cold, and I decided I'd go late. I think I went to the 9 o'clock hot yoga time. And uh, I didn't think anybody would really be there. The place was packed. I mean, the people were waiting to get in outside. So I was a little self-conscious there, and I was like, ah, you, you don't want to do this. You know, this, this is not going to be pretty. And, uh, but then, so we had this conversation in the parking lot, you know, in here. And, uh, and then, uh, and then um, I went, and I went in. And so you start off, you know, it's, it's not that challenging starting off. But, you, you know, if you know, you know your yoga. And so I'm kind of in the back, and, and I'm probably the oldest person in there. But, you know, you, you, you do your warrior you know, and then you do your reverse warrior, and then, you know, the tree and the bigger tree, and you start off kind of, kind of slow, you know, and I'm, but then it starts to pick up, and it's 105 degrees, you know, and that's 105, and then I notice the instructor is walking near me a lot, you know, she's like staying near me, and I am sweating profusely. I haven't sweat like this since I had two-a-day practices in football. I mean, it's dripping off of me, and this voice inside my head comes inside my head and says, Jim, what are you doing? And uh, this is not wise. And you were not prepared for this. And so the, uh, the instructor just walks over me and she says, you can lay down, sir. It's okay to do that. You know, and I'm, and I'm like, okay, well, I'll do that then. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just lay down and meditate, you know. And, uh, but actually, you know, I, I don't, it, it's something, you know, it was, it's amazing what the body is capable of. You know, people who really know about what they're doing, oh my gosh, the human being, this creation that we are is, you know, off the charts amazing. So that was one experience. The other was uh, Roxanne and I, we, we believe in renewal here and, and always gaining perspective in life and experiences. And so Roxanne and I had the privilege of going on vacation just uh, earlier in December to see our oldest son, oldest son, Clay, who lives in California in Los Angeles. And he works in the film and media industry. And so this is actually in Santa Barbara. We went there as well. But, um, and, I, and I find people very interesting, and I'm sure you do too. And so California to me is extremely interesting. But I, one, one quick perspective I got was I am glad to be able to drive in Springfield. Because if you've been in Los Angeles, oh, my gosh, I've been in some cities, but that was crazy. And so I'm really, I'll never complain about traffic again. But so we, we, we wanted to, to surf as well, or, or not surf, excuse me, not in California. I still want to do that. We wanted the ocean kayak, but the waves were too high. But all the surfers were out there, so they were fascinating. But we did want to try something else. And Clay had, it was up for it, and so we decided, decided we would try segways. How many of you have been on a segway? Nobody. <laughs> all right. No, somebody. All right, good. Yeah, segways. These are, these are pretty amazing, and I know... I probably look like, if you know the movie Paul Blart, Mall Cop, That's, that would be me on this side, Roxanne and Clay. But I'll tell you, it's an amazing thing buzzing around. Um, this is in Santa Barbara. And it's a, it's a neat experience. I encourage you to try it. One of the things I came away with is, again, as human beings, we are remarkably adaptable. I mean remarkably. At first, you have to go through training. Robert was our guide, and he was a great guide. And he was very patient, especially with me. And as he took me through the cones, he set me aside, and we had to go through some training. We just hit a few cones, and they worked with me some more. But I can tell you, after about two hours on those things, you do get seg, seg legs, they call it. Your legs get to feel a little weird. But the, the body is so adaptable, this creation. It just feels like it's a part of you. 
and you're just zipping all over the place, in traffic, all over. Um, amazing. So those are the two, two, at least two of the experiences that were new for me last year. And so now I want to get a bit more serious, if you will. And uh, last year was a, was a good, as I said, but paradoxical year because it was good, lots of joy, but it was also filled with uh, sorrow and sadness. Uh, my dad, many of you know, became ill last year in January. Late January, he's 89 years old, and um, he, he uh, you know, he was really sick. And so um, the time, and I knew this, I, be, I, I certainly prayed, prayed that he would recover, but I also, more than that, prayed for he and I, our relationship, because we've had our moments in life, I think probably like almost any son and father do. So we prayed for our relationship, and I, more than that, prayed for his relationship with Christ. Because dad's life had not always been easy. In fact, it hadn't been easy at all. And he was really bitter with God about a number of things, but certainly foremost in those were his experience in World War II, where, you know, he saw too many young people uh, die too young. And it's, you know, when you're in that, even though you know you're fighting for a cause, it can make a lot of not a lot of sense when you see young people die. And so he held on to that. He also really held on to, he had a tough childhood because there was domestic violence in his house and his dad physically abused him because he was the oldest of six kids. And so, again, he was, uh, he was mad at God. And so I prayed to God a lot going up and down Highway 44, and it's a privilege to be in this place where we pray for each other. So I have, I mean, it was huge, the prayers of uh, Bob and the staff as we, we pray for, for each other. And so I would ask you today, who's praying for you and who are you praying for? But it's a privilege to serve in a ministry where we pray for each other, and it made a huge difference. And I would be going up and down Highway 44, certainly shedding some tears, but I would also be praying for the Holy Spirit's wisdom and guidance and how my dad and I used our time. Because, you know, God gives us a brain, and Intellectually, I knew my dad was failing physically. But, but during this time, we came to a place where we began a different type of relationship because of time. It was the first time my dad and I had prayed together. We prayed together in the ICU of Missouri Baptist Hospital. And Jesus started becoming real to him. And we would pray, and my sister would be there. Um, he was vulnerable. Uh, and even though, and I, and I learned, and I've seen this happen, but it was profound for me, that even though we can fail physically, and while we may fail physically, we can grow stronger spiritually and emotionally through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I, I saw this happening in my dad's life. Again, our relationship was different. We talked about life and death, war, you know, just stuff that we hadn't always talked about. And so in a way, it was really a holy time. We had a lot of holy moments. And of course, we also had to talk about the Cardinals because that was our connection. Sports had always been our connection. And when stuff would get a little too deep for us, we'd turn to the Cardinals. You know, we'd say, hey, you know, what's going on with this? And Dad knew his sports, and I always enjoyed hearing his history of the Cardinals, too. He, was a, he had an amazing memory. So God really taught me during... During this past year, especially when we celebrated, Dad passed away. 
God taught me through his death what it looks like to die with assurance. Assurance meaning that God is with us and for us and loves us and dignity and peace. And I'm really thankful to God for that. We had a, we had a great celebration, and so I just want to tell a quick story of uh, we invited everybody. Dad died in assisted living area. He wasn't going to go back to the hospital. So it was assisted living place. He had been alone, he'd been alone for about 10 years. Mom had died about 10 years earlier. And, he, and God worked in his life in that it really opened up again. He opened up, and he loved the people, and they would talk to him, and it was a whole new community. We, we just really couldn't believe it. I mean, it was like, it was beautiful. And so we decided not to have it at a funeral home. We would have it with the people that he, he last with, was with in life and loved. And they loved him, all the workers. It was crazy. Because um, he was kind of like Archie Bunker. That's probably a, 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 not a good reference for in here. But for those of you who, who knew what that is, irascible, you, you get the, the adjectives. He's a character. So we're, um, we're having this celebration. And it's really good. All the cousins are there. The workers are there. Pastor Bob and Jason are there. And I'm grateful for them uh, for coming up. This is in St. Louis. And, uh, and I have the, I think it's leading of the Holy Spirit to, um, to uh, preach about the prodigal son. I wasn't really planning to do that. Decided to do that, talk about prodigal son, because that was kind of my dad. You know, he'd been away from a long time and came back to God. But I couldn't find the scripture. And so I'm sitting there, and Roxanne, my wife, tells me it felt like forever. And I don't know, Pastor Bob could probably tell you. But I'm looking through my Bible, and I cannot find the Scripture. You know, I cannot find it. So I finally just said, where is, and I didn't even get that far out, and I hear from the back of the room, Luke 15. It's Pastor Bob hollering at me. It was an awesome time. It was an awesome time. Went to Luke 15, preached the prodigal son. We celebrated in a big way. And it was really a cool moment to be able to celebrate with the people who love the people you love. And so time was really precious to me in this past year. And it is interesting how God works and teaches us because with the passing of my dad, actually, he, my dad uh, passed away, but his two little brothers, oldest of six kids, also they all died in the same year in their 80s. They all died in the same year. So our cousins were together. We hadn't been together for years. We're all together. We reconnect. We have the opportunity to pray together. We have the opportunity to worship together. And then we have the opportunity to have this memorial service. And God blessed us with this beautiful time out in a country cemetery <clears throat> about an hour north of St. Louis where the ancestors are buried. And, and so we're telling stories and all. And I just felt the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. God is good. And I just ask all the family. Because we, I mean, this cast of characters right there, those Mason boys. And uh, they, uh, um, Alton, Illinois is where they grew up in a factory town. And it's a work hard, play hard town. And so we, uh, we were out there in that cemetery, and I said, hey, hey everybody, let's, let's raise our hands to God, you know, and let's pray together. And so we prayed that, that God would forgive us if we've hurt anybody in our family, if we've hurt anybody. And if anybody has hurt us, we forgive them. And then we prayed to God that, that God would bless us with a good future, and that God would help us just to hold on to the memories, the really good memories that we have in our time with our family. And so for me, that will always be a holy time, a holy time that God has given us. And it revealed to me that, you know, I got to thinking about it, that there's a, there's a, there's a new patriarch in the family. 
You know, the patriarch's the oldest male in the family, and so it's the patriarch of the Mason family is now Patriarch Jim. And so there we go. <laughs> it's kind of scary, I know. So, uh, but God taught me in a couple other profound ways, too. He taught me um, through, a, through a group that I began to meet with. It's called a cell group. It's a smaller group than a small group. There's four of us, and it's, uh, it's across the generations, two young guys in their early 30s, Jordan Hines, and on this end, Justin Setzer, and, and then myself and Bob Lund, we're both baby boomers, and we get together because God works through the generations. And so we meet, we meet every two weeks at Panera, 6.30 in the morning. We're, we're doing the Gospel of John right now. We pray together. We laugh together. We eat. Um, you know, we, we probably get off track every now and then. But, you know, it's a, it's a really good time. And God teaches me through their fresh eyes. So I encourage you to be with other people, especially of a generations, too, because they know things that we older people don't, and maybe we know a few things. And God is working through all the generations, all the time. And so that's been really cool. And that's um, Jordan's little, little son. I can't think of his name, but he's a great little guy. And then also this past year, I've been really blessed to, uh, to journey from October to, well, this month, with what is called a group of, uh, it's called Clinical Pastoral Education. And we believe in lifelong learning here, and we're given time to do that. And so on Mondays, I was meeting with a group of other pastors, meeting with other pastors from around the Ozarks. The guy in the yellow shirt there, he's a good Southern Baptist from down Cassville Way. And then Casey next to him, Assemblies of God. And then uh, Williams of Nazarene, Jamie, Assemblies of God, Disciples of Christ, our supervisor there, and then myself. And what we were able to do is we were able to grow stronger spiritually as we learned to better take care of people who are sick and vulnerable. And God allows you to see a lot when you're journeying with people who are sick and vulnerable. It's a sacred privilege. And, uh, and a couple teachings, main teachings, I would take away from this experience are, one, I mean, I knew it, but when you have the privilege of journeying with people from other denominations, God is way bigger. The Holy Spirit is way bigger than denominations. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to journey with, with other folks. Also, God taught me through this experience that, that to care for other people, we're not here to help people avoid what's going on in their lives, to avoid their feelings. And we're not here just to make people feel good. I mean, it's okay if that's the right thing to do at the right time. But more than that, we're here to help people tell their stories and to heal and not to avoid what's going on in their lives. And there's kind of an art to that. So I was privileged to learn more about that because really we're all a story. And we all yearn to tell our stories. And through uh, journeying with other people, we can create a safe place. People need safe places to tell the story. We're not here to fix people. We're not, we're not here to fix people. We're here to help people heal through telling what's going on in their life what God is doing, even if they can't see God in their life, we know that God is, is working in all our lives, especially as we open ourselves up to God. And, um, and so it was really interesting to me, um, if, if you're inclined to make people want to feel good, which I can be inclined to do, it's important to know more than that is to help them heal. What is it that you can help them with to get out of? Because we all have stuff in us that that needs to come out. And so that was a really uh, great experience as well. Because God seeks to be in a deep relationship, 
relationship with all of us. And it really, that experience at Mercy with those pastors really helped me, um, I think, uh, better care for people, which God has put on my heart for a long time. And so now I want to pivot a bit, and I want to talk about 2016. So as we, as we talk about our, you know, I shared my Facebook review, or not my Facebook, my year in review a bit with you. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, that's important to reflect. But now let's look forward in 2016. And I've got a scripture that, I, that is important to me coming into the new year, and so I want to share it with you. And it's from uh, Colossians. It's, it's Paul's, part of Paul's letter to the church in what is present-day uh, Turkey. And so Paul writes to them, uh, certainly as, as he always does, you know, with a affirmation as well as admonishment. Um, but here he's really telling them what, uh, what he is needing from them and what he challenges us to do. And so here are these words uh, from the Apostle Paul from Colossians, uh, the fourth chapter. It says, these are the things we're to do. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us. Paul is in jail. He's in jail at Rome. He's a prisoner. Okay, he's a prisoner, but he is still free, free to write, free to pray, free to persuade people. And so he has written this letter. And so he says, at the same time, pray for us as well, that God will open a door. Well, God will open to us a door for the word, that we may declare the mystery of Christ, for which I am in prison. He, he's in prison, so that I may reveal it clearly as I should. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the most of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that everyone, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So really, what is, what is Paul saying to us here? Well, a, a few things, and certainly amongst those is we all have the opportunity to persuade people, you know, even, even if we may be in circumstances that we think we're not. We're to, we're to put prayer first. It's our foundation. Also that God is, it will open doors to us in this life. And open doors for me largely means new, new experiences, new opportunities, new people will come into our lives. And he's saying, especially for the people who don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, we're to be gracious and seasoned with salt and I think that that means that we're to be, speak truth and love and grace into people's life and to be invitational, to invite them into a life that, that's like no other. And so we're to be invitational to people. One of the great opportunities we have this year, and Pastor Bob talked to it a little bit in the announcements, is the Alpha experience. And I, I include or I encourage all of us to to be in a group or a class so you can journey with people. That's the way God set up the world, that we be interdependent. Generations, people, be with other people to learn more about God, and you will bless other people. And so to be invitational, to be salt and light, and to be seasoned, we have this opportunity right before us called Alpha. And Alpha is an amazing experience. It was good to see many of you have been to that, but many of you have not. And if you've not been to it, I really encourage you to be a part of it. Here's the, here's the questions, some of the main questions that Alpha asks. Who is Jesus? Why did he die? What about faith? How do I pray? How do I read the Bible? How does God guide us? 
Who is the Holy Spirit? What about evil? How do I resist it? And does God heal? Does God really heal? So those are some of the great questions that, that many of us have, and certainly people that, that uh, don't have faith, but they have these questions. I think they're part of the human condition. And so I invite you to invite somebody or to come yourself. If, if you've not been there, it will renew your faith. I was speaking earlier in an earlier service. Thelma Lane, who usually sits about right here, she was 90 when she came and had been a Christian her whole life, and it was a huge blessing. And Thelma really was salt and seasoning and light to all of us as she was in that Alpha experience. And I want to tell you now about one really, uh, it was really a cool thing, a guy I stayed connected with by the name of Chad Stearman. And some of you in here know Chad because he, he used to worship in this service. And he, there he is with his wife, Ridley, and they have two little kids. They live in Colorado now. Chad is a Ph.D. chemist. So he's an intellect, you know, he's intellectual, has a lot of capacity here. And so uh, uh, he began worshiping here, and we invited him to Alpha. I'll never forget when he came in the room, he was quiet, and he was going through these questions. And then uh, I asked him to share, I contacted him on Facebook, and I asked him to share his experience with us. And here's what he said. He said, hello, Jim, I love following you and Roxanne on Facebook, too, because I said I like following him. He said, feel free to use my experience, good, bad, or ugly, as needed. Alpha was certainly a turning point in my faith journey. I'm not going to lie, blind faith is something I struggle with. But one of my main lessons I learned was that struggle is okay. It's all part of God's grace. He accepts us where we're at right now, and acceptance of this has been the fuel for my faith journey. And so I, Chad has been one of the... Uh, most, one of the more remarkable people I've seen who has had that, that uh, faith experience. And so when he shot me a, a note yesterday and said, you know, you can go ahead and use that, and I shot him a note back. I just felt compelled to do it. Um, there's a part of that when we do who is the Holy Spirit. And during that time, we pray with people. And um, it just happened. It's not just me and Pastor Bob, but Pastor Bob and I happened to pray right there in that pew about where Bob's sitting. We... Um, we prayed for Chad that day. There's people spread throughout the sanctuary. And when we prayed for him, we felt heat. I mean, something was going on. I mean, there's tangible heat there. We, we never know what the person's experiencing, but we experienced this. And so this is, and I said, you know, Chad, we, we talk about that every now and then, because uh, that's a really cool part of the, the whole Alpha experience is the Holy Spirit, the, the teaching on the Holy Spirit, and there's some prayer time that we have about this. And so here's what he said about what Bob and I had been talking about. He said, that was awe-inspiring for me, too. Not necessarily logical, but part of letting go to embrace the mystery. So what I think is really neat about that is that the reality is that, that um, we can't think ourselves through the faith. Although, for me, faith is logical, too. But, but that we have to let go and to experience the mystery that is both... Um, it is mysterious, and yet it is real. It's a reality. I love his intellectual honesty, that he can say struggle. It's okay to struggle because God will meet us right there. God will meet us right there in the midst of our struggle. And so I would say to, to you today, if, if you're struggling or if you're in the wilderness, much like I felt like I was for a big part of last year, 
you know, because you just don't know where life's going. I would say to you, don't give up. Do not give up. Because God will use our time as we open ourselves up to him in ways that we can't even imagine, that we can't imagine, as Chad has told us today. And so as we prepare to close this time, I would just ask us to uh, just to be a, a time of silence for a minute or two here, and then I'll uh, lead us in a prayer. And I would just pray, I would just ask you to consider uh, praying for people um, that you might invite to Alpha or people who might have questions or people that are in the wilderness, and then how can God uh, connect with them and how can we help that experience? So let's just have a, a couple minutes of silence, then we'll pray together. Father, we thank you uh, for this time and the time that you've given us and that you can lead us. You can lead us with wisdom. We pray we open ourselves up to you today and that, um, Lord, you would speak to us about people that we love and we know, or even to us, to, uh, to help us go deeper with you, to help us to be invitational, to be seasoned with salt and light, for you are the light of the world. Lord, you have, you have a preferred future for us, and you create from the future. So, Lord, we, uh, we look forward. Even if we're in the wilderness right now, we look forward with hope, and we are grateful that we have a future with you. For you know what's next. Amen.